Jesus once said that when he ascended, the Father would send us another advocate. One that would never leave us. He is the Holy Spirit. Who leads us to truth. The world cannot receive him. It isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But I do. I could never escape from his spirit. I can never get away from his presence because the Spirit of God is alive and lives in me. The question is, is he in you? Well, today we're going to wrap up our series that we're calling The Mystery Within. And uh, when I think of some of the great mysteries of the world, quite honestly, you don't have to go far and uh, you don't have to travel a long ways. Uh, Oklahoma is full of natural mysteries and quite honestly what some would call supernatural uh, mysteries. Uh, Bigfoot has been known to roam the Washita National Forest uh, on a regular basis and there have been many sightings of him there. Almost every little town in Oklahoma has a crybaby bridge uh, with the ghost stories that go along with it. If you go up to Miami near the Oklahoma-Missouri uh, border, you can see the spook light. And uh, there was one outside of the town where I went to college called the Gurdon Light uh, that we would travel, and you always took a girl with you, right? And uh, one of the most amazing mysteries in Oklahoma uh, is Hevener. The Hevener runestone is what it's called. It's this outcropping of a rock with markings on it. And they've studied the markings on the rock, and they believe they date all the way back to 900 A.D., and uh, they are Viking in nature. And uh, how the Vikings got to Oklahoma, I don't know, so don't, don't come ask me that in the guest reception. But there's a state park around it, so you can go and visit it. Uh, the question really is, why do people like mysteries? <clears throat> why are we as a culture fascinated uh, with the supernatural and the paranormal? And, and I just will go on record as saying the people that uh, believe in UFOs and and uh, ghosts may be crazy. And, uh, and those of you who are into Star Trek are weird. And, and so uh, if, if you are, I, I can be your pastor and think you're weird. And so I don't need a note or any signal or sign or anything like that from you uh, th th this week. But, but I think some people believe they can talk to the dead and a dead relative because they want closure. And uh, I, I think that maybe it's just a way of making life more fun quite honestly, right, and spicing things up a bit because it's more fun to believe than to not believe, right? And, and so maybe that's the way that it plays out. But when it comes to the paranormal, I, I would just say to you, we, we seem to abandon critical thinking. And, and the mystery within is this deep mystery. It's very complex because we're talking about God. We're talking about the Holy Spirit of God. But he never, God never asks us to suspend reason or to suspend uh, uh, our, our thought process. He never asked us to check our brains at the door in order to have faith in Him. God, uh, faith in God is not irrational. 
And it's not illogical. In fact, it makes sense. And so when we study the supernatural power of God, we are invited by God to use reason. And we don't abandon good biblical scholarship. In fact, we use the Bible as a guide when we study uh, the Lord. And this morning, I want to wrap up our study by looking at the the topic of spiritual gifts. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Surely you've got to come around uh, to spiritual gifts. And we could spend a whole series on this. But today, I I don't think that's nearly as important as us uh, moving through this and and looking at it in light of the Holy Spirit of God. And and we're going to use reason. And we're going to use common sense. And we're going to use our God-given minds. And so let's start where the disciples started in Acts chapter 2. And so if you got your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. And we, we've talked about both weeks in this series so far how Jesus said, if I go away, another one like me, talking about the Holy Spirit of God, will come. And he will come to comfort you. And he will guide you in sin and righteousness. And, and, and we saw how the Holy Spirit enters our lives. And we saw how the Holy Spirit fills our lives, and we saw how the Holy Spirit helps us live our our lives. And now we're going to look at the point where he became, or where all of that, not he, where all of that became reality in Acts chapter 2 and and verse 1. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And there's that image again. Remember, Jesus uh, used the uh, the imagery of the wind. Uh, to talk about the Holy Spirit. And so here comes the wind again, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And I'll take you to the room they think is that upper room, if you go with me to Israel this Christmas. And and in that room, uh, this wind begins to blow, and the Holy Spirit begins to come. Verse 3, then what look like flames or tongues of fire. Here's a new image for the Holy Spirit in in the imagery of fire appeared to settle on each of them, and everyone present was filled, circle the word filled, was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And they did that. They obeyed him. They were there seven days, and, and seven days of constant teaching and worshiping and, and, and praising the Lord. They even threw in a business meeting for good measure, which you know you were bored when you throw in a, in a business meeting. But they were probably taken off guard because the Holy Spirit finally does come. And when he descends on the believers, the wind and the fire and the tongues and the crowd around them was completely surprised. Look at verse 6. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. And they asked, how can this be? These people are from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. And and there was one thing that they recognized very quickly. And the thing they recognized quickly was this was a demonstration of God's power. They were amazed, but immediately they understood God is doing something here. And, And God is up to something here. And as you look through the book of Acts, each time you see the Holy Spirit moving, you see power. And you see miracles and you see signs and wonders and earthquakes and healings and demons being cast out and, and all of that. And I would say to you today, signs and wonders are nice, but the most important thing that accompanied the presence of the Holy Spirit was power. It was a demonstration of the power of God. What happened right after the Holy Spirit came is a great indicator to what all this is all about and what all of this is for. Because what happened right after the Holy Spirit dropped in their midst was that Peter stood up and he preached. 
And he preached Jesus, and he preached the life of Jesus, and the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. And the scripture says the people were pierced in their hearts to the point that they asked the question, so what do we do? So what what do we do with Jesus? And, And all of that happened not because of tongues of fire. All of that happened not because of the sounds of the wind. All of that happened because a demonstration of the power of God that came in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. It it didn't happen because Peter was some supernatural Christian. He wasn't. It didn't happen because he was an apostle. He was an ordinary man, an uneducated fisherman from Galilee with no public speaking experience, and he stood and he spoke. Look at verse 41 of chapter 2. Those who believed what Peter said, what did Peter say? Jesus is the way were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Why? Because Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was bold enough to use his gifts, and he demonstrated uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in his life, and Jesus Christ was glorified. And and, and now you may be wondering, what, what do you mean spiritual gifts? You may be unfamiliar with that. You may not know what we're talking about. But the truth of the matter is that God made us. And God made us, and he shapes us, and he molds us, and he uses different things in our lives to shape us and mold us. Well, what are some of the things he uses? Well, he uses passion, right? What are passions? The things we get excited about, the things that we're, we, we really enjoy, that we're passionate about. And I would say the more of your life that you can do, uh, spend doing what you're passionate about, the more you will be fulfilled, and the more you will enjoy uh, life and find satisfaction in it. How do you identify your passions? Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, when, when you talk to somebody uh, for any length of time, for a length of time, more than five minutes, I'm 10, 15 minutes, every conversation brings its way back around to their passion. Doesn't it? I mean, you can be way over here in left field, but they will find a way to drive the conversation back over to here what, to what they're very, very passionate about. Uh, a, a great example is one of my, one of my friends who's a pastor. Uh, He's one of my favorite speakers, in fact. His name is Ted Cunningham, and he is a marriage and family uh, guy. His passions are marriage and family and, and sex, and well, all, all of, sex is all of our passion, right? And, and, and uh, parenting, and this is where, his, and men, and, and this is where his passion goes. And so uh, sitting under his teaching in his church, I just have to believe every Sunday it has to come back to one of those subjects. No matter what text he starts with, it comes back to that because he's so passionate about it. In fact, he's going to be here next Sunday with us as our guest, and uh, he's my favorite guest that we bring in uh, to our church because he's the outsider that comes in, and we don't feel like he's an outsider. He comes in, and we, and we don't miss a beat. In fact, we gain a couple of beats uh, because of how gifted he is. And because he's here, and because he's so gifted, and because he's so passionate, we're going to do something else. Next Sunday night, uh, we're going to do a men's deal. From 6 to 8 in the chapel, we're going to cook barbecue. We'll have a barbecue dinner down there, and Ted's going to speak, and it's going to be an all-men's event. And so we want all men to come and to be a part of that night together, and you will not want to miss next Sunday morning being here with Ted and next Sunday night if you're a man uh, being with us together in that. But passions is one of the things he uses. Another one is abilities. These are your talents. These are the things you're born with, like music or athletics or or even cheer, right? And I've made fun of cheer, but it is a talent. It's not a sport, but it is a talent uh, that, that you may be born with, right? Uh, Psalm 139 says that you made me, all of me, all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And he says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Now, how do you know what your abilities are? You ask yourself the question, what am I good at doing? Another thing he uses is experience. God never wastes an experience. 
never. Even the bad ones, he will not waste it. Romans 8, incredible passage of Scripture, verse 28, it says, And we know that God causes everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So God gives you passions, and God gives you experiences, and, and he puts abilities in you in your mother's womb, but, but, but that leaves another element that God uses to shape us, and that other element is gifts. He gifts us. He gives us spiritual gifts, and a spiritual gift is a special ability or skill that God has given you. It's something you can do because the Spirit of God lives in you, and God intends for us, and as it relates to gifts, for us to have three things. This is my way of teaching all of these passages of Scripture, okay? And it's the way I keep it straight in my brain, and I just want to unload it for you today. He, he intends for us to have a uh, power, I mean, I'm sorry, a personality, a place, and a power. A personality, a place, and a power. There are three Scripture passages in the New Testament where different gifts are listed. And, and I think what those are is the personality list, the place list, and the power list. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4, 5, and 6. And in this passage of Scripture, by the way, there's another passage where you see the Trinity. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been alluding to the Trinity and saying that there, there's one God and three persons. You see all three of them again in this passage of Scripture. In, in verse 4, it says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Here's the Spirit of God. There, there, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Here, here's the Son of God. There are different kinds of working, but the same God. Here's the Father who is working all of them together. Three distinct areas. Paul is not, in my opinion, repeating himself three times. He's making three different references to three different things. In fact, the Greek words he uses are all different Greek words. He says there are different uh, uh, gifts. The Greek word is charis, given by the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 4, there are differences of administrations, which are services. Okay, that word is diakoni. It's where we get our word deacon in the uh, in the English language, and it comes from Jesus Christ. It's for the church. It's for Christians only. And then he says there's different diversities of operation, which the Greek word there is energma, which is where we get our word energy. And the Father is about energizing us towards uh, his will in verse 6. And Paul is pulling all these aspects together from these three different lists in Scripture. A personality, that's who we are. Okay? These are the motivational gifts. They motivate us. We are motivated out of these gifts. I think God placed these gifts in us before we were ever born. You have one or more of these seven gifts listed in Romans chapter 12, the motivational or the personality gifts. You had it before you came to Christ, in fact. You're driving down the road, and you pulled over to help a turtle cross the road, you did that before you came to Christ, right? And you do it after you come to Christ. That was the place where God stamped his birth, or you didn't pull over, and you still don't, even after Christ, right? And, and, and so you, you, some of you cry at certain things you did before you came to Christ, or you just cry, you know, differently and more now. And, and, and so these are the motivational gifts. We're gifted at conception. This is our bent, quite honestly, that, uh, where Isaiah says, raise up a child in the way he is bent, and it's according to how God put him together. And by the way, these seven gifts listed in Romans 12 correspond with the seven attributes of Jesus in the sevenfold Spirit of God. Revelation talks about the sevenfold Spirit of God. There are seven aspects. Jesus is all seven. He, he encompasses all of them perfectly. He is God, and we have a bent. We are created in the image of God, and one of those bents is, is ours. Then secondly, we have a place. A place is where we serve. 
These are ministry gifts, specific gifts of enabling. Mine, pastor, teacher, okay? That's the Ephesians 4 list uh, of gifts. This is the calling of God on your life. And then C is power. This is how we serve. Manifestation. 1 Corinthians 12. They're operative in our lives after we're saved. And this is where we're going to spend time today. Remember in week one, I unplugged the extension cord? This is where this plays out. This is a great illustration of that, that, that when you are plugged into the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit empowering you, He will empower you through the, the, the gifts of the Spirit of God. Look at verse 7 again. The manifestation, circle that word, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, why? For the profit of all. Given to each one for the profit of all. That Greek word manifestation is thanarousis, which means a lamp or a lantern. It is the lighting up. And, and, and what, what, what is happening there is that what God says we're the light of the world, right? And that we're set on fire by him. Tongues of fire in Acts 2. The Spirit shapes who you are. Jesus gives you a place of where to serve. And God the Father empowers you to serve. That's how you let your light shine. That's what a manifestation is. The working of God in your life through the gifts that he has gifted you with. Hebrews calls God's ministers, uh, those using their gift for him, tongues of fire. That's what the book of Hebrews says. That's why tongues of fire at Pentecost, because God is saying, they are my lamp, and they are my lantern, and this is how I want to move. Some of you know the story, if you read it, or you uh, have, have even maybe seen the movie in recent days about the missionary named Jim Elliott. And, and Jim Elliott was one of the uh, missionaries for God, and he was with a people group that ultimately ended up killing him. The people he was sharing Christ with murdered him. And, and when you read his journal shortly before he died, he, he was reading this passage of Scripture, and here, here's what he wrote, questions in his journal. Am I ignitable? He says, flames are, flames are transient. I know they burn quickly. And he wrote this declaration to the Lord. I am willing to burn quickly in order to be a bright flame for God. Am I burning? Question mark. Am I on fire for God? Question mark. Am I burning brightly for him? We need to be a demonstration of God's power reflecting him. A couple of things I want to show you today, okay? Uh, two things that, that happens when you operate in the gifts, spiritual gifts that God has given you. A couple of things that spiritual gifts do when they operate in the spirit. Uh, number one, your spiritual gifts point people to Christ. Your spiritual gifts, when they operate, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, point people to Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive my power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is so easy and it's so, I can't make it any simpler. Why do we have spiritual gifts? And the answer to that question is so that we can tell people about Jesus. That's the bottom line. Why do we have spiritual gifts? So that we can tell people about Jesus Christ. And, and when we use our gifts and, and we lift Jesus up, he draws people to himself. The Holy Spirit's main agenda is to draw people to the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, the kingdom grows. In this case, in Acts 2, by 3,000 people in, in, in one day. I'm trying to think of an illustration from early in my life where, uh, and, and the first mission trip, international mission trip that I ever took was in 1992, so 19 years ago. And, and in 19 years ago, as a college student, I went to Barcelona, Spain. 
during the Olympics. And the plan of the trip was to go and work with uh, Carl Lewis. Remember him? He was a track star, uh, amazing track star. He was a believer, and he was going to work with us, and we were going to work with the Dream Team, the original Dream Team. They've had a few Dream Teams, so not Dreams. But, 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 but the, the original Dream Team with Jordan and Bird and Magic and all of those guys, the real Dream Team. And, uh, and so we were supposed to stay in this four- or five-star hotel in Barcelona and minister uh, to these blue-chip athletes. And, and the Holy Spirit redirected our paths. And when we got there, the five-star hotel was booked. And so we ended up sleeping on the roof of a church next door. And every morning I would awaken because the, all the air had seeped out of my air mattress. Every morning. We'd pump it back up and sleep on it at night. Every morning when I would open my eyes, four or five pigeons walking around on my chest or my face. Less than five stars, right? And, and, and our paths got redirected. But uh, Barcelona is a city of four million people, which is, if I'm not mistaken, more than Oklahoma. In one city. A and a million visitors in this city because of the Olympics. Now, if you've never been to an Olympic event, you, you, you would think that they're all kind of in close proximity, all the events. They're not. They spread them out all over. Even when it was in Atlanta, you remember, I mean, there were things in downtown Atlanta, and then the rafting stuff was at Akoi, which is an hour and a half drive away uh, from there because you can't put all those people in all those events in the same location. Same thing was true in Barcelona. And so you would ride from one event to another event an hour an hour and a half in, in their metro or subway thing. And, and so people spread out over. So five million people gathered in one city. It was like Baptist Day at Six Flags in the heat, which is a great illustration of hell. And, 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 and I saw something on Facebook yesterday that said uh, the devil wants his weather back. You know, and, and I'm like, let him have it. You know, and, 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 and so... Uh, this, you smell smells you've never smelled before, and, and, and you're bumping into people, you're elbow to elbow and shoulder to shoulder, and just, you're just too close for comfort, right? It was that commercial, aren't you glad you used dial? And don't you wish everybody else? I mean, that, and, and so five million people in one city. And so I'm buying tickets to some event from a lady somewhere in, in the middle of, of uh, Barcelona, and I, I think I'm on a mission trip. I, it doesn't need to be just about me going to see cool events. I need to share Christ with her. And so I try to share Christ with her. End up in a 30-minute conversation. Agnostic, brilliant lady who refuted everything I said very well. And, and 30 minutes later at the end, she says, I understand what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. I don't want to give my life to Christ. Okay, walk away from her. Not one minute later, 15 steps away. A man catches me and says, I listened to the whole conversation you have with that lady, and I need to do that. What even talking to him? How did that happen? The Holy Spirit of God. And, and, and so we, we left Barcelona, went to Dania, Spain, to get away from all the people. Beautiful place on the ocean. Gorgeous, gorgeous place. And, and, and then we drove back to Madrid, which is a long ways. I don't remember Spanish geography, but a long ways from Barcelona. And, and so we're in a whole other city. Fly out of Madrid to back to Dallas to come home to the United States. I'm sitting there on the plane waiting for everybody else to board. And this is back when they had smoking sections, which is the craziest. I mean, what, like this row is smoking and this row is not. <laughs> and, 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 and so I, I, I'm sitting there. Uh, one row in front of the smoking section uh, waiting on everybody else to get on the plane and I look down the row of this enormous plane and making her way up the aisle guess who? the lady 
one out of five million. Not even in the same city I'm flying out of, walking down the aisle. And I looked at my buddy and I said, you watch, she's going to sit right here. And she's going to give her life to Christ somewhere over the ocean between here and the United States. And sure enough, she did. We come home. I go home to, to Shreveport, spend a few hours with my parents, drive back to Hot Springs, Arkansas, where I was on staff at a church because there was a girl I was dating. And, and we were going out that night, and I was interested in seeing her. I'd bought some trinket somewhere in Spain and was excited about giving it to her. And, and, and so I, I, I take this girl out on a date, and 15 minutes into the date, I go to the bathroom, and I start throwing up. I'm sick. I can't hold anything down. And, and so I drive back to my garage apartment there by the church and said, you just have to go home, take my car. I'll, I'll get it sometime. For three days, I can't hold one sip of water down. I am throwing up and all the other that goes with it, and I'm dehydrated. Three days in, I'm 21 years old. I don't know what to do, so I called Mommy. <laughs> right, she's here today. And I called her on the phone. And I said, I, I, I need you. And, and she said, I'll be there. And got in the car and drove to Hot Springs and, and took care of me. And we're, we're, she says, hey, we got to get you an IV. You're dehydrated. And, and so we're headed to the ER. And on the way to the ER, I said, hey, just pull in that medical clinic right there. And uh, so we pull into this medical clinic. The lobby is like 10 feet by 6 feet. And there's three or four chairs on this side and three or four chairs on this side. And we're sitting in this lobby. I've got a parka on. It's July 4th. And it felt like this weather. And, and because I'm, I've got such high fever, I'm, I'm just got chills. And so I'm wearing this parka. And this fan, this oscillating fan is blowing on me. So we switch seats. Me and my mom switch seats. And this lady's sitting beside me. She says, are you sick? And I said, yeah, I got a bug. Overseas, I think. And she says, where were you overseas? And I said, I was in Barcelona, Spain. And a tear starts to run down this lady's cheek. And she says, you shared Christ with me on the streets in Barcelona, Spain. We're in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And she says, I live in Dallas, Texas. I'm on my way to Branson, Missouri for a family vacation. As we're driving through Hot Springs, we get a call from my son's football coach that says his physical is due today. So we pulled into this medical clinic, and here you are in Hot Springs. And, and, and she said, I did not give my life to Christ, but I think I'm going to. And she did. And you say, the temptation, you hear those stories, and here's the temptation, is for you to think, but you're a pastor. And that kind of stuff flows through your life because you're a pastor. No, no, I was 21 years old. And, and I don't know if the Holy Spirit can flow through a 21-year-old's life, right? <laughs> because of all the other stuff. You, but, but it was the power of the Holy Spirit of God flowing, and, and a kid just saying, I'll use whatever gift you've given me. And I will point people to Jesus Christ when you use your gift in the Spirit. It points people to Jesus, which is the whole point of the gifts. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's about us pointing to him. And, and some people in Christianity today have what I call gift envy. And they look at other gifts and say, why can't I have that gift? That's the wrong question. The question should be, what am I to do with my gifts? And are we trying to make Jesus big or are we trying to make ourselves big? And if we're trying to make Jesus big, we use the gift he placed on us. Look at verse 11 again. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. Who distributes the gifts? The Spirit of God. All of them. In the way that he sees fit. In fact, it goes on to say he alone decides which gift each person should have. We don't get to choose. We may want to choose, but we can't. The Holy Spirit does. Remember in charge when we talked about finances in that series and I said that everything... 
belongs to God, right? Everything comes from God and everything is distributed by God. Everything, the, all of God's stuff belongs to him, comes from him, distributed by him. He decides. That's not just finances. That's gifts and every part of the kingdom of God. Spiritual gifts here. We see it playing out. Uh, why does he choose? I don't know. He knows best. And he decides. He made you, and he knows how you work, and he made you a part of the body of Christ. That's what God has chosen to use, the body of Christ. The body of Christ, the driving force of the kingdom of God in the world today. The bride, the church, is God's plan to accomplish his purposes. And, and many of you who have multiple children, you see this play out in your kitchen. You cut a cake, and the kids are all discussing their piece, right? I want the corner, I want the middle, I want the icing, I want no icing, and, you know, I'm the oldest, I should get the biggest, to which I'm always thinking, no, I'm the oldest. I should get the biggest. And, 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 you know, and the bickering happens, and eventually you say, look, I'm dad, I'm cutting the cake, I'm putting it on the plate, I'm handing it to you, and you will take what you get and don't throw a fit. You don't have to eat it if you don't want to, right? And, and that's kind of what Paul is doing here in this text of Scripture. Paul is saying, hey, quit arguing about all we don't decide god decides and he's he's distributing the way he wants what happens when we have gift envy there's disunity in the body the church doesn't do what it should and you don't do what what you're supposed to do second thing spiritual gifts in the spirit do is they not only point people to jesus they build up the church spiritual gifts are meant to build up they are not meant to tear down look at verse 7 again from chapter 12 the manifestation of the spirit is to given to each one for the profit of all not for one's profit but for the body of Christ look at the list that he gives there look at verse 8 to one person the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice to another the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge the same spirit gives great faith to another to someone else the spirit gives the gift of healing he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives some people el or someone else the ability to discern uh, whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another. That, that, uh, to another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language, while another is given the ability to interpret what was being said. And sometimes you read that and you think, this is all so mysterious and mystical. I, I would lean towards it's not nearly as mystical as it is practical. And the way that this practicality plays out, some people he gives the gift of giving great advice. Can you think of anything more practical than somebody having the, the gift of giving uh, great advice? It's helpful, it's practical. The world loves that gift, by the way. Uh, to, to one he gives great faith or the gift of healing. Anything more practical than the gift of healing? To some, the gift of praying. And, and praying, you know that one person when you have a prayer need that you want to make sure is praying for you? They're operating in the Spirit. They're using the gift that God, they love to pray for you, the gift of prophecy. We looked at that in the Wired series. By the way, I did a whole series on, on this two years ago uh, called Wired. And, and, and so if you want to study it deeper, just pick up that series. But we looked at it. Prophets are given to the church to build her up. Prophets deliver the Word of God to the people of God. And all these gifts are working together in the same way that a body works together. That's why gift envy is bad. Look at verse 12. He goes on to say, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up how many? One. The many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. What is the key? The key is unity. We have different parts, different roles, different skills, different gifts, but we make up one body. Look at verse 15. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, which I think he's trying to be funny. We miss it because we try to be so spiritual. But I think Paul was making a joke here. It's funny to say if a foot said something. 
He said, if the foot said, I'm not a part of the body because I'm a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And, and if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would it make any sense, would it make it any less a part of the body? No. What does that mean? Jealousy and insecurity have no place in the body of Christ. Why? We are on his mission. We're on one mission. We don't have time for all of that. We're on the mission. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, you look like Mike Zawowski or whatever his name is from Monsters Inc., right? If the, but he even has legs and arms. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has each part just where he wants it. And as a pastor, I believe that. Sometimes leading people, I wonder what part of the body some of you are. But everybody needs a buttocks, right? Some of you are the appendix. You do nothing, but you could blow up and kill all of us. But all of us have a part. All of us have a part. Look what he decides. Listen how strange this is, he says. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In other words, we have this interdependence upon one another, a mutual need for each other. Now, I've used this example before, uh, but... But it is so good in illustrating this. If I were in the guest reception today, afterwards, and I were meeting you, and you come up to meet me for the first time, and I stick out my hand, I say, hello, my name is Alex. It's very nice to meet you. You would stick out your hand, you would shake my hand, and you would say, nice to meet you, right? But if I pulled out a severed hand and held it out to you, you wouldn't reach out and take it. You Star Trek people might, but the rest of you wouldn't. Why? You would say, that's gross. Why? Because any part of the body severed from the body is gross. The same thing is true in the spiritual world. And any one of you that says, I'm going to take my gift and use it for myself, or I don't need to be a part of a church, or I don't need to be a part of the body, or I don't need the power of God, I'm just going to go, it's gross. It's a science experiment. It's not the body, and it's not operating the way that it's supposed to operate according to the Scripture. And by the way, spiritual gifts are not ranked in the Bible. According to which one? So you can't say, well, I have this gift, so I'm closer to God. That's crazy. God decided who gets what gifts and wants to be close to all of us. And, and he chooses, and he chooses me for a certain gift. He chooses you, and he puts us all together. But the most important part here, I don't want you to miss it, is unity. We need to be together on this. And it does not mean that we have to agree on every single issue. That's just silly. We're not going to agree on every single issue. Sometimes we bring staff into the staff world who came out of the laity world, which is always scary to me. And the reason it's scary to me is because I bring on a friend onto the staff team, and the one thing I say to my friend before they come on the staff team, I'm really frightened about bringing you on the staff. And they say, why? And I said, because you love your church. And because you love your pastor. And you come work here, you might not. Why? Because you're working with people. And we're not going to youth camp every day from 8 to 5. We're going to work. And anytime you work with people, there are going to be disagreements. Anytime you work with people, there's going to be conflict. We don't have to agree on everything, but there's the, this list of things up here that we ought to agree on, really important things, like, like Jesus is the only way. Pretty big deal, right? We, we need to agree on this book is from God. It's his word, and it speaks to us, that the Holy Spirit is alive, and he wants to minister among us, and he's, he's still active. To, there's a list of things we ought to agree on, but everything else we can discuss. And we can have discussions about. And, and if it were crystal clear, the Word of God would have made it crystal clear. But the truth of the matter is it didn't on some issues. 
There's all kinds of issues in Scripture that I don't know about. I, I, I read it and I study it. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. It could be this, could be that. And I talk to people on this side. Depending on which stack of books I've read less, uh, last, I, I'm, I'm persuaded that way. And, and, and I think it's okay. I, for example, I have some mentors and some teachers who taught me about the sign gifts that they ceased and that there were cessations of history, cessation periods where, where God did different things during these different periods of time, and he used these miracles during this period of time, and then he quit, and he used these during this. And, and what, what they've taught me is that there was a period of time where God used these sign gifts, the tongues and all of that, and, and, and that that ceased, and now he's doing different things in our world today. And they use one verse of Scripture to, to back that up. And as I read the Scripture and I meet people and encounter people, I would just say, I don't believe that. I don't think it's true. Does it mean that they're bad leaders or that I'm a bad pastor because we don't agree on that? No. We, we disagree on the, these little things, but we agree on all the big ones I just listed, right? We're still body members in the same one body of Christ. We don't have to agree on all of that. On minor issues, what's important? Sharing the transforming power of Jesus Christ to a lost world. That's what's important. And you've all been given gifts, and you're Christ followers. You say, well, what about in here, right? I mean, because people ask about it. They want to know uh, about the sign gifts. I mean, every month in the dinner, that's the question that comes up. And the question is about the sign gifts. Where, where do you stand? My answer, in all things unity. Right? And we got people in our church who believe they have a prayer language and in their prayer closet, the Spirit gives them a language that they pray for that edifies them in their spirit and, and they don't know what they're saying, but the Spirit of God knows what they're saying and, and they believe that. And we got people in our church who thinks that that's demonic and that they're allowing demons to speak through them through a language that nobody knows except for the demon and, and everywhere in between. And you know what? We're not going to solve it. There are issues like the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. We're going to solve that? No, we're not going to solve I mean, God is sovereign and we do have free will, right? And, and so we're not going to solve. People, here's the deal. There are people a whole lot smarter than me and you who've been studying these issues for a whole lot longer than you and I have been alive. And they hadn't solved them. And so there's no level of arrogance in me that believes my calling in life is to solve these minor issues. I'm far more concerned about the scripture that I do understand and don't do than I am about the scripture on minor issues that I don't understand. What do you mean? Well, the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. I understand it. I just don't do it. And that bothers me. Greater than some of these other issues. You say, well, what about, you know, in here? I've never heard anybody jump up and speak in another language, you know, with a message for everybody. Hey, is this my church? No, this is not my church. This is God's church. He bought it with his blood. He can do whatever he wants to do in this church. Uh, there's a place in Scripture where God spoke through a donkey. You say, was the donkey saved? I don't know if the donkey was saved. And don't line up here and ask me that question. And some leaders say, you know, there's no such thing as a bad question. You guys can come up with some bad ones. But God can do what he wants to do through whatever he wants to do it. And so my prayer has been all along, God, this is your church. We're your people. You do what you want to do. You interrupt the service. You interrupt the order. You change this. You, change, you direct us and you take us. We're on your path. It's your church. You do what you, we want all of you. You do what all you want to do. 
And so the scripture says, well, if somebody's going to speak in, in, in corporately in tongues, then somebody else needs to interpret it. And so what I've said is one of the primary purposes that God has set as an agenda for our big group gathering is evangelism. For people who don't know Christ to come in here and go, you know what, I understand that, I need to give my life to Christ. And every week for eight years, people do that. In this room, in that chapel room, in prior, even on the internet, every week people are giving their life to Christ because of what we do in this big room together. Spirit of God working. And so there was a day, I believe, where somebody would walk up and hear another language as if they were speaking in their own language and, and say, wow, there is a God. I need that God. I don't think that's our culture today. I think people who don't know God come in and hear somebody speaking in some jibber-jabber, I, I, I think they go, this is a cult. I don't think they go, wow, there's a God. I think they say, this is freaky, freaky. <laughs> and because our purpose in here, primary, is evangelism, then, then we, it just hasn't happened in here. God knows the purpose, right? And, and so if God wants to do that, and here's what I prayed. God, if you want to speak to us through another language, through somebody, then, then you're going to give us an interpreter. That's what Scripture said. And because I have a critical mind, not a critical heart. There's a difference between a critical mind and a critical heart. A critical heart is sin. Critical mind is a gift. Because I have a critical mind, I've said, Lord, I, I need to know it's you. And so in humility, not demanding anything of God, but in humility, I've said, Lord, if you want to do that in the church at Battle Creek, while I'm leading this service, would you give me two interpreters? And would you show me who they are? And so if someone were to stand and to speak in an unknown language, God's going to show me who the two interpreters, because I feel like he said, yes, I will. Show me who the two interpreters are. I'm going to ask them to write the interpretation down. I'm going to bring both interpretations up. I'm going to read both interpretations. If they agree, we're going to assume God spoke to us. If they disagree, we're going to assume the man had bad barbecue and time to sit down and shut up. <laughs> Unity. as a body, as one body working together. Uh, Matt Dunavant, one of our missionaries in Egypt, sent me an email last week and he told me the story that he got in a taxi in Egypt. And you need to be praying for Egypt. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of people gathered on the square again. And, and they're tired that the Reformation is not happening. I mean, it's all boiling back up again. And he said he got in a taxi the other day just tired and worn out and just wanted to close his eyes and rest, which if you've ever been to Egypt in a taxi, the possibility of closing your eyes and resting is just tremendous faith or stupidity. And he said the Holy Spirit of God spoke to his heart and said, ask the taxi cab driver, have you ever had a dream about Jesus? Can I just tell you, that's the Spirit of God. The, your flesh would never lead you to ask a Muslim, have you ever had a dream about Jesus? Right? I mean, your, your, your flesh doesn't do that. When I know I'm getting on a flight and I know that God may give me an opportunity to share Christ with somebody, there are moments that I pray. My flesh says, Lord, let them be skinny. That's what my flesh says when I know somebody's going to be sitting on the plane next to me. A few weeks ago, I ran into Monty at the Tulsa airport early. We were on a plane together to Dallas, and, and uh, Monty, we were sitting there, and he went and asked the lady to change his seat, and he sat by me on the flight, and I was like, man, Monty, I was praying for somebody thin. And he said, so was I. <laughs> he said, whose prayers is God listening to today? And, and, 
but that's, that's what your flesh does, right? Your flesh would never lead you to be generous. Your spirit leads you, the spirit of God leads you to be, it leads you to help people, leads you to pray for people. When it's odd, it's God. And so Matt said, hey, you ever had a dream about Jesus? The taxi cab driver pulled the car over and said, I have. Last week. And he was wearing all white and he had a Bible and he was introducing himself to me. And they met, uh, they talked about it for a half hour and then they met a week later and that Muslim ended up praying and giving his life to Jesus Christ. What is that? It's the Holy Spirit of God. Did that happen because they were in church? No, they were not in church. Did that happen because that Matt was a minister? No, it happened because a man listened and used the gifts that God gave him to point people to the person of Jesus Christ. You can use it every day, being filled, being filled, being filled under the fountain of the filling of the Holy Spirit of God like D.L. Moody said. Now, Paul told his spiritual son in the faith in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Listen to what he said. Fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you. Fan into flames. Here's the fire image again. The spiritual gift that God gave you, it's powerful, it's burning, it's on the inside of us. And Paul tells us to fan it, fan it, keep it getting bigger and bigger. And so how how do you get more of God? That sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? How could you possibly get any more of God? We all have the Holy Spirit when we give our life to Jesus. But we are to continually, remember last week, present tense, imperative, ongoing, Be ye filled, continually be ye filled with the Spirit of God. And here's what I know about God. There are a lot of things I don't know about God. But as I read Scripture, one thing that just is just true, He's not hiding from us. He's not playing some cosmic game of hide and seek with us. He, he, He is not trying to hoard His presence away from His children. here's what I'm convinced of today. Some of you, God has called you to do something and you think it's too big. You say, I can't do this or I don't have the support or I don't have the resources or I don't have the money and so you've done nothing with it. And you've laid it to the side. And the question is, are you controlled by the Holy Spirit of God or are you controlled by fear? Are you controlled by the Holy Spirit of God or are you controlled by doubt? Are you controlled by the Holy Spirit of God or worry or lust or money or logic? And God's given you a dream and he's given you a vision and he's given you a hope and he's given you a desire or he's given you a burden and you've buried it. And you've laid it to the side because of fear. And you thought, I can't do that. And I can't accomplish that. But, but God is saying and he's speaking to you today by his Holy Spirit, go dig it up. And and go get that thing. I put that on you. I put that in you. I want you to walk in faith. And walking in faith requires taking risks. But when you walk with me in the power of my spirit, I will turn your fear into faith. And you know what? What we will accomplish is people coming to my son, Jesus. I've gifted you. I made you, and I put gifts in you for my purpose and my plan. And I will empower you through my spirit to use those gifts to point people to Jesus and to build up my bride, the church. Would you pray with me? In all of our environments today, would you pray with me? Can I just 
before we pray, just say to you with your head bowed and your eyes closed. If today you realize and recognize you've never given your life to Jesus, can I just say to you that is your next step? Spiritual gifts, irrelevant without a personal relationship with Jesus and the Spirit living inside of you. And so today, if you want to give your life to Christ, would you just pray with me and say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed things up. But today, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Jesus, come into my life to be my Lord. You call the shots in my life. Come in as my Savior and my forgiver. In the best way that I know how, I turn my back on my sin and I trust Jesus alone to save me. Holy Spirit, I need you to dwell inside of me. And I want to thank you for saving me. And before we say amen today, there are men and women today. God's given you a vision, a burden, a hope, a dream. And you've buried it. And I want to pray for you today. Would you just raise your hand if that's your confession? He gave me one. And I've laid it aside. Just hold your hand up for a second and I want to pray for you. He's speaking to me about it today. So Father, for every hand lifted in this room, I pray the grace of God. Meet them right where they are. Fill them and empower them with your spirit. And Father, lead them into that dream and vision and hope and burden that you placed on their heart. And Father, as we walk with you, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of these men and women today. How can we fail with the power, resurrection power, and the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So lead us. Lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. And in all of our environments we say, amen.